Hey there, friends. It's Nick. So this is the last part, I think, when we'll talk about Indistractable, the book by Nertia. And I mentioned before, I mentioned the last couple of days, I mean, really what his goal was, was to take back control of his attention and really take back control of his life in the sense that, you know, he discovered, I talked to you about the, the moment with his daughter where he got distracted by his phone and we've all done it. And by the time he, he, he looked up again from his phone, his daughter was sort of gone. She'd gone off to uh, find someone who paid her attention properly. And the book is really about his quest, as I say, to take back his life. And the bits that are most interesting to me, we talked about some of the psychology yesterday, but, but essentially what, what he discovers is that all human behavior really is driven by the desire to end discomfort, even when we think we are going some, going towards something because we want it. Actually, what we have internally is a sense of discomfort because we don't have the thing we want. And what, what he discovered when he was researching this book is that our behavior is really driven by triggers. It's driven by either external triggers or internal triggers and external triggers are all the things that we know about, right? It's all the stuff that you can imagine. It's your phone beeping with notifications. It's a colleague calling you up or coming over and, and wanting something that's, that interrupts you. It's. Well, it could be objects. So it might be the very fact that the TV is, is in the room might distract you, right? And remind you that the TV is something you could do and stop you doing the hard work that you need to do because you just decide you're going to sit down and watch a, a movie or something. And in fact, to that, there was one study that discovered that even just the act of having your phone in your view, even if there's no notification. But having it in your kind of line of sight has a kind of a draining effect on your attention because it actually takes sort of, it takes effort just to ignore it. But the thing about the external distractions, you know, whether it's, it's your phone or a, I don't know, a cup of coffee or a, you know, a plate of donuts or whatever, is that we've talked about some of this stuff before on the podcast. I mean, common sense strategies can really help. Like as I talk to you now. My phone is on the other side of the room behind me, out of my view and out of my reach. I can't just turn around and get it. It's also got its notifications turned off, so it can't beep in the middle of me talking to you, or in fact, in the middle of any of the work that I'm doing this morning. This is the thing I think indistractable is a good book, but a lot of the, the tools and the tactics for dealing with external things are, I would say common sense and. The one thing that the EL does talk about, which I think is really interesting is this idea of treating your kind of your week as an experiment. So when things fail, particularly external triggers, we take some time each week to think, well, okay, well, what can I do next week, you know, tomorrow or the next day to stop that thing happening again. And he talks about some things which are a bit different, like, uh, there's this study that showed that, that nurses in an oncology unit in San Francisco. One of the problems they had was that, that the wrong medicine was being administered too often. And it was partly because they, they thought it was partly because the nurses were so constantly interrupted, whether by patients or by doctors or, you know, other nurses. And what they did as a test was they gave the nurses who were dispensing medicine, high visibility jackets, 
essentially a big visual warning that they were not to be disturbed. And what they found is extraordinary. They found that errors dropped by 47%, 47%, which is obviously a, a huge improvement. And Eyal talks about in the workplace, something similar, maybe not wearing a high visibility jacket, but having some kind of system, some kind of sign that says, actually, do you know what? I'm, I need to focus. I need to concentrate. Can you come back later? And of course, with a lot of these things, it really depends on the kind of work you are doing, the kind of environment you're in, perhaps the kind of people you work for or with. He talks a lot about the value of syncing your schedules with other people in your workplace so that they understand the value of you having time to focus. But of course, it's, it, it depends on who you're working with. But I think a lot of the external stuff is quite commonsensical. What's more interesting for me was his discussions about the internal triggers, the internal kind of causes of distraction, because when he, as, as part of his project, he got rid of his smartphone and he got rid of his laptop and replaced them with kind of 1990s era versions that, that didn't have all of these connections to the internet and notifications and all that kind of stuff. But what he discovered was he still got easily distracted. And this is when really he understood that the, the driver for all of these behaviors is the kind of <laughs> the drive to reduce discomfort. And what he really discovered, the conclusion he came to was that time management is in some sense, pain management. And when he looked into the literature and the research, he came across acceptance and commitment therapy, ACE, which I've definitely heard of before. And you know, the. The fundamental, one of the fundamental tenets of this practice is rather than denying something is accepting it. So, you know, he gives this example of, of, in the book, it's very hard not to think of a polar bear. You know, we can't, we can't cope with that kind of thing as humans. If something comes up, we can't not think of it. So ACE takes the opposite approach. It sort of accepts the feeling, accepts the behavior. And then the idea is you examine it with compassion rather than as is often the case when we get distracted or we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, you know, we get angry and frustrated and we continue this kind of negative spiral down this negative cycle. And what he found was that, that many of the things that he thought were distractions, maybe you know, you're sitting in your chair doing your work and your body or your brain wants to do something else. It thinks, oh, I need to put the bins out or I need to just hoover this thing quickly. Well, those surface level triggers he found are really covering up deeper forms of discomfort. Maybe it's boredom or frustration or the thing you're trying to do is too hard. Or, and what ACE, the therapeutic practice recommends is, as I say, that we, when we've find these feelings, when we get distracted, we try and identify the root cause, the kind of the subtext. And when we have identified that subtext, and it's one of those things, like a lot of things, it's a muscle, it gets easier with practice rather than trying to push that feeling away, push that frustration away. We examine it, we sort of turn it around in our head with compassion. And one of the things that I most like, one of the, the, the ideas I most like in the book is that 
But when we do that, when we examine our actual feelings, honestly, and with compassion, they actually tend to lose a lot of their power, a lot of their emotive force, because we're not trying to push them away anymore. We are engaging with them. And there's this beautiful metaphor that comes from one of the therapists, I think he's quoted in the book, talking about our thoughts and our feelings as being like leaves on a river, that they're real, we have them, but rather like the meditative practice of, you know, kind of watching your thoughts from afar and watching them float away. We can watch these leaves, these thoughts, these feelings on this river and watch as they float away and let go of them that way. And Eyal certainly found that this was a way of lessening these inner triggers, lessening the, the triggers that cause the distractions and allowing him to get on, take control of his attention, take control of his life and ultimately write this book, which is part of making his story mean business. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Nick. Thanks again for listening. To dig deeper, search for story.business.